Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Talks between delegations from several parties to the 2015 nuclear deal got rolling in Vienna, with the United States participating indirectly and making sure its conciliatory messages to Iran reached their audiences, both in Tehran and around the world. One intriguing question is, how will Iran behave in the next two months? Well, these talks are ongoing, and the election campaign to succeed President Hassan Rouhani reaches its climax. Will the regime or its more militant elements escalate their activities in Syria, Iraq, Yemen, or Lebanon, or even at other fronts, or will they prefer tactical pause? To analyze this topic, we're joined from Ankara, Turkey, by Mr. Taylan Shokenoglu, policy expert on Iranian-Iraqi relations at the Security Studies Department of the Center for Iranian Studies in Ankara, Turkey. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks a lot, John. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. Indeed. Uh, over here. Thanks for having me and thanks for your kind invitation as well. It's good to have you. Also joining us from elsewhere here in Jerusalem is Dr. Menachem El Khavi, who is a research fellow at the Truman Institute at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you. And with me in the studio here is our TV7 analyst and host of TV7's Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a, a broader understanding. Plenty of developments in the recent couple of weeks. What is going on and where should we focus our attention to? So a month and a half passed since um, uh, Joe Biden's inauguration and um, or modern, uh, to be more accurate, two, two and a half uh, months have passed, uh, January 20th to early April. And the first uh, at least visible contact between the United States and Iran has been launched. Perhaps uh, there has been some clandestine contacts, but uh, for the record, what is happening is diplomacy uh, through proxy or proximity talks. The other parties to the JCPOA are meeting uh, in Vienna without the Americans, but obviously messages uh, flow back and forth and there are domestic concerns for both the Americans and the Iranians. For the Americans, Biden knows that uh, in Congress and especially in the Senate, which is divided 50-50 uh, with the vice president breaking the tie, there is resistance to his idea, uh, which he uh, came up with during the campaign, but uh, has been reaffirmed to go back to the 2015 deal. The Iranians, on the other hand, uh, have um, uh, a more, uh, more of a problem because uh, President uh, Hassan Rouhani, uh, who is considered uh, a relative moderate, is not eligible to run for re-election. So in two months' time, there will be another president, perhaps um, a more uh, extreme one, someone uh, more to the liking of the uh, revolutionary gods, someone uh, whom the uh, supreme leader Khamenei uh, may direct uh, to be uh, less flexible in his contacts with the Americans, or perhaps there will be someone like Foreign Minister Zarif, 
who is considered uh, a member of Rouhani's faction and who is more conciliatory towards the Americans. And one measure during this time is going to be the behavior of the Iranians, uh, whether themselves, uh, especially in Syria, or through their proxies, such as the Houthis in Yemen, whether they are going to uh, rocket or uh, launch drones against uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, what is going to happen uh, on other fronts. Right now, there's probably a lull before the storm. Whether there will be a storm remains to be seen. Indeed. Dr. Merhavi, post-2015, JCPOA, or Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, it was not necessarily ratified by signature by the parties uh, engaged in this uh, uh, negotiations, but rather implemented through UN Security Council Resolution 2334, um, after which we could see various developments uh, from the Iranian perspective, including Iranian Foreign Minister Mohammad Javad Zarif traveling throughout the Middle East, visiting various uh, organizations supportive of the Ayatollah regime in Tehran, including Hezbollah in Lebanon. We uh, saw him also travel, of course, to meet with the Houthis in Yemen. And uh, the, the coffers of Iran were opened to uh, really encourage the revolutionary policies throughout the region. Came the, the Trump administration, things have shifted. Of course, the coffers of Iran emptied and the capacity to support the various organizations throughout the, uh, the region were limited there uh, because of that. H how do you see right now, uh, once the Americans are now once again engaged with uh, the Iranians uh, on the, the nuclear file, are we also going to uh, see pledges from Tehran going to the various proxies in the region and uh, the various aspects, including in Iraq and in Lebanon and elsewhere? Yes, so I think the, the picture is really complex now. On the one hand, Iran um, has an interest, I think, an invested interest in renewing the deal, uh, renewing the nuclear deal. Um, because uh, the period with uh, Trump administration was quite traumatic for Iran. Um, uh, and uh, besides that, there was the corona, which of course has nothing to do with Trump, but uh, it just exasperated the, uh, you know, the, the stress and the pressure on Iran. So uh, Iran is between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, uh, it wants to reach a deal, I think, at least as much as uh, President Rouhani is concerned and his party. Uh, but then uh, there are two important limitations to that. One is that the deal, um, I think, disappointed to a large degree. And that's really what the opposition to Rouhani was building on, including a lot of conservatives, when they said, you know, it didn't bring the fruits you promised us. And uh, after all, that's what Rouhani was, that was his main ticket when he ran for president. Um, that's one thing. The second thing is that Iran has a little more leeway now after a very important deal with China which was signed. It's a 25-year um, contract. Uh, not all of its uh, details are actually exposed. Both parties have an interest in uh, at least uh, uh, leaving some of it in the shadow. Um, and, and this is interesting because it gives Iran more, uh, you know, more uh, maneuvering room, I think, financially too, economically too, strategically as well. Um, and yet just to complicate that a little further, Voices within Iran were very concerned, including some conservative voices, about the 
you know, the repercussions of such a, uh, a long-term deal with China. What does it mean? What do the Chinese want? You know, what infrastructures of Iran, for example, will they have access to, etc.? Uh, and there was there was these these kind of loud voices in Iran that we're familiar with from other places, by the way, including Israel, when there's a large you know Chinese companies that win contracts here, um, and and the same concerns were actually voiced in Iran. So the 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 large picture is really complex, but I will try to uh, bring it to a bottom line that Iran, I think today does have an invested interest in reaching a deal, in, at least in order not to be pushed to the arms of of, of China and Russia not to be solely uh, dependent on them. If there's one thing you can say uh, with some certainty about Iranian foreign policy is that he does not want to be in the pocket of anybody else, but rather to be maneuvering between at least two or three options. Indeed. Mr. Shokenoglu, how do you view this current situation? And uh, with an eye also towards China, following the agreement, which was called in Tehran as a roadmap more than a, a, a deal, uh, do you see this really impede Western efforts to bring Tehran into recompliance with the JCPOA? Or is it something that in addition to uh, considering the fact that China, of course, is also a member uh, of the Security Council, therefore so a member of the P5? Uh, thanks a lot uh, again, Jonathan. Uh, good evening to everyone again once more. So uh, let me say firstly, you know, uh, the JCPOA, GCPOA uh, has a lot of the dimensions, actually, uh, apart from this uh, Iranian-Chinese agreement. Uh, the first thing is that, you know, the, the Iranian domestic politics, so, you know, uh, there will be a new election in Iran in, uh, in June. So, uh, firstly, uh, I don't think uh, that a new agreement, I mean, considering the fact that the uh, Falcons or or so to speak, or the conservative uh, politicians in Iran don't want uh, the reformers or centrists uh, to benefit to a new agreement. So I think it is uh, quite impossible, uh, too impossible right now for a new agreement. So on the other hand, as you know, uh, even in the Democrats and in the United States, there are some uh, Democrat politicians, they also want uh, the new conditions, uh, such as uh, ballistic missiles of Iran or uh, the Iranian, for example, interventionism or Iranian regional activities in the Middle East also uh, should be included in the new agreement. And even in the uh, Europe, there are some statements uh, that the Iranian regional activities should be included um, in the new agreement as well. So. Uh, and lastly, the concerns of, uh, for example, uh, Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates and Israel also is a very is, is another dimension. Uh, it is uh, really uh, uh, hard to predict that uh, the United States uh, should reassess whether whether United States reassess the concerns of uh, Israel, Saudi Arabia, or United Arab. Emirates on the table is also uh, another question. So I think, uh, of course, the China is the one of the uh, party uh, parties of this agreement. But uh, firstly, I think this dimension is uh, much more uh, much more important uh, before the Chinese Iranian agreement.
Indeed. Mr. Owen, I'd like your take on this. And beyond that, over the past week and a half, approximately, almost two weeks, uh, it seems like the Americans started to omit the the extension of the sentence to reach recompliance with the JCPOA, bring both the United States and Iran into recompliance. And based on the JCPOA, then Langston and strengthened the deal, something that they stopped saying uh, for various reasons. Obviously, now that indirect talks have once again uh, restarted, uh, it seems that this was the reason. But uh, is that something that we can expect the Americans to forego in uh, favor of just reaching yet another accord? One has to look at it um, in uh, the short term and in the longer, perhaps midterm. In the short term, it is very important for the Americans to reach some sort of a deal about the deal before the presidential elections in Iran, because it may have an impact on the elections by virtue of the sanctions being lifted as part of the deal regarding the deal. The Americans are uh, lifting the sanctions. The Iranians are going back to, um, to uh, the deal, uh, which they have started uh, backing away from. And the Americans have been very balanced in blaming both the Iranians and the previous administration. Of course, President Biden does not blame himself, but he and Rob Mali, his coordinator for Iran policy, and uh, Secretary Blinken and others, also the Pentagon, they are all blaming the Trump administration for worsening the situation regarding the uh, nuclear enrichment and other problems uh, uh, in Iran. So they have a stake in Iran doing its part, getting the sanctions lifted, perhaps the economy in Iran, feeling the improvement in time for the presidential election so that the moderates may get the upper hand. Now, all of this has to be choreographed, as they say. Uh, it's a very delicate dance. One uh, party makes takes a step, the other party takes a step towards it, and the other parties in the room are encouraging this dance. But it has to be very fast because otherwise, Time will be lost, and the uh, June uh, timeline uh, will be over. One other point, Israel is totally out of the picture. Nobody mentions Israel. Nobody mentions any consultation. Except with- for the French. The President Macron has mentioned Israel and Saudi Arabia on several occasions yes. during the past month. Well, when, when faced with a direct question... American spokespersons will also say, yes, we will consult with our allies. But when they phrase their words carefully, Israel is omitted. And so much the better, because Israel should not be in the foreground. It is not an Israeli problem. If the Iranians get the bomb, it's a matter for the world and for the region at large, not necessarily for Israel. Everybody knows in the back of their minds that Israel is not going to sit idly by and watch Iran go nuclear militarily. But there is no need to put this issue center stage 
the way it was done during the Netanyahu-Trump period. Indeed, Dr. Menchavi, uh, Mr. Uh, Shokanoglu spoke earlier about concerns, uh, of course, from Israel, uh, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, which are obvious. I think there, there are more concerns uh, at large uh, of the consequences of, of such a deal uh, being reached uh, and uh, allowing yet again the Iranians to... to uh, support so many proxies across the region, uh, of course, also Turkey and other countries. But uh, I'd like to ask uh, you specifically on, on Saudi Arabia and, and uh, the various countries, also uh, Iraq for that matter. Do you see a certain lobby considering the challenges currently at hand uh, with regard to the relations between Washington and Riyadh and Washington and other capitals in the region uh, trying to uh, communicate maybe more with the Russians or with the Chinese about trying to to bring in those interests to the forefront? Or is the, the address still in Washington, D.C., trying to convince them that they should not do so at any expense? Well, if you mean whether uh, there is any room for uh, cooperation between the U.S., China, and other uh, parties in Russia, if I understood you correctly, uh, regarding the uh, issue of Iran and the deal, then I think no, uh, they, they're very limited. Uh, and that it's a, it, more of an American matter than an Iranian matter. But I, I don't see the relations between the US and these two, for example, uh, come so warm and close now after uh, President uh, Biden's um, recent uh, you know, uh, expressions about their leaders. Uh, so I see very little room for uh, cooperation there. What I do think that happened, and this is important to remember, um, as much as Biden's administration is a break from uh, President Trump's, uh, I think um, I, I see it actually as, uh, differently. I see it as a more complementary uh, kind of thing, like a, a bad cop, good cop sort of thing. In other words, uh, Trump showed the Iranians the fist and the uh, how vulnerable they are. Uh, and, pres and now President Biden has, uh, I would say, more room for... Uh, being, uh, let's say, uh, nicer and more uh, welcoming to uh, to negotiate with them. I see it as really as a complementary thing. It does not erase everything that President Trump and in, in his administration and Israel, uh, according to uh, foreign sources, um, were involved in. Uh, because Iran, I think, does know that uh, this kind of thing could also return, uh, even under President Biden or uh, under another president in the future. And I think this vulnerability is one of the things that uh, push Iran to the table. Um, I think the price they paid is uh, very heavy. And just one more thing, I think it has also limited uh, to some degree their maneuver and their uh, abilities in the region. In other words, Iran today, I Iran's arms in the region, I think, are weaker than they had been four or five years ago. Uh, I think there's no doubt about it. It's not just because of uh, President Trump's administration's policy. It also has to do with internal matters in some of the allies, like Lebanon and Iraq, each for its own reasons has uh, uh, very powerful people who uh, want to push out or to limit Iran's involvement in them. And I think uh, Iran, Tehran is not blind to that. Uh, and uh, to a large degree, I, I see Iran now kind of um, clinging in and, and trying uh, to uh, I think, to uh, put less power in the region, less power outside of uh, the borders of Iran. Indeed. Mr. Shokanoglu, uh, do you see a situation in which the various uh, organizations in the next several weeks 
before the election, including Qatar Hezbollah in uh, uh, Iraq or uh, the Houthis in Yemen or uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon, for that matter, uh, step up efforts to target uh, Western uh, uh, infrastructure in order to put more pressure, which has seemingly worked uh, in light of the fact that the Americans are willing to sit with the Iranians after uh, so many uh, uh, various attacks against their own uh, infrastructure in Iraq and elsewhere. But uh, do you think that uh, they will do so, or will they find uh, more of a, a ceasefire, a hudna, for a short period of time, until after uh, such an agreement could be once again signed? Uh, you know, uh, the, uh, I mean, the attacks, the attacks of uh, Iranian proxy forces or allied forces, whatever you call, is always possible in Iraq. And also, um, like in Yemen, uh, Syria or Lebanon as well, it's always possible. Because uh, after uh, the Iranian revolution in 1979, um, Iran uh, increased its uh, connections with uh, Shiite non-state actors in the region, and especially after the American invasion of Iraq uh, in 2003, it was a, a big opportunity for Iran to uh, include uh, Iraqi politics uh, and uh, Iraqi politics as well uh, through these uh, Islamist groups. Uh, so uh, from that time on, especially after the defeat of ISIS, uh, these uh, proxy groups was the main deterrent uh, force of Iran against uh, the United States. So uh, take, for example, after the killing of Soleimani and before the killing of Soleimani also, we have seen uh, many attacks uh, from these proxy groups. And lately, for example, in the uh, for example uh, in Erbil, uh, the the Iranian proxy groups killed the American contractor. But then we uh, saw the American attack on the uh, on the place of the, uh, around Deir as well. So I think maybe it would be much more vi uh, violence. But as I told you, Iran. Uh, the proxy forces, the existence of proxy forces in Iraq is a very big opportunity to uh, to be deterrent actor in Iraq for Iran. Because Iran, it is also very economic for Iraq as well, for example, because Iran directly do not di does not directly attack these forces. Uh, they use these uh, proxy forces. And uh, I think maybe it would be much more uh, violent, but it is uh, always possible uh, for Iran to use Iraqi uh, proxy groups. I mean, for example, even uh, today, nowadays, for example, if uh, Iraqi Prime Minister uh, Mustafa Al-Kadhimi, uh, for example, aims to approach uh, Arabic Arab countries and also Turkey, uh, the Iranian proxy groups, after these statements or uh, visits, they uh, publish contradictory statements and full of threats. So uh, I see that is uh, quite possible, but it would be much more, uh, much less, sorry, uh, violent. Indeed. Mr. Owen, drawing near to the end of the program, where are we heading from here? One uh, uh, possible uh, flashpoint 
could be Syria, where the Iranians are both uh, trying to establish uh, bases uh, from which to uh, strike at Israel, and through which, through Syria, to transfer weapons and uh, precision uh, instruments to Hezbollah in Lebanon. Now, they are doing it uh, all the time. Israel is uh, reportedly uh, hitting uh, these convoys or bases, and uh, there is nothing unusual about it or has been unusual until now. However, if the next two months are so delicate in the American perspective, one can expect some pressure to be put from Washington on Tel Aviv to abstain or at least minimize whatever actions Israel intends to take in self-defense against these Iranian actions in Syria in order to avert escalation, which again could help the less moderate faction in Iranian politics. So Israel would have to put its own security in jeopardy for the sake of American diplomacy? To put it off for a couple of months, unless there is a clear and present danger. Now, this uh, does not necessarily have uh, to happen, but one can see the outline of such a scenario if, for the Americans, it is so vital not to rock the boat before June. Indeed. Dr. Melchavi, what is your projection for the near future? So, yeah, I, I, I do expect, as you call it, a certain hoodna, a certain uh, lowering of the flames in the region. After all, as I said, uh, and I'll rephrase, Iran has, uh, I think, has experienced uh, the limits of power in the region. Uh, you know, again, in Lebanon, in, in Iraq, its allies have uh, serious internal problems, internal issues. Uh, and uh, and I think uh, it's it's a good time actually for Iran to try to get to a new deal, kind of crawling back without losing its uh, prestige among its allies. Uh, and um, and Israel, after all, has uh, has shown Iran its limits in Syria. So I think it's it's going to be more calm now. And on the economic level, do you see uh, the situation improving in Iran in the run up to the election? Uh, whether they come to an agreement or not? Well, if they come to an agreement, you will see improvement. If not, uh, uh, even even with the China deal, they're in for a, for a very bad period, which is already bad. I mean, it's uh, you can see the the prices of things and the and the uh, real. You know, it's uh, uh, the currency is. is uh, I mean, every time you think it's the lowest it could get, it gets even lower. So uh, again, Iran has to to have some kind of a rope. Of assistance here. Well, uh, unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Shokan Oglu, uh, Mr. Shokan Oglu from uh, Ankara, Dr. Melchavi from here elsewhere in Jerusalem, and our TV7 an uh, analyst, Mr. Amir Oren, uh, as well. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.